0: Part of what the standoff has been that if insurance only understands insurance doesn't understand technology, technology doesn't understand insurance and it's very hard to come together. But you have a growth of people within the insurance industry that do uh, have technology backgrounds um, and they're able to have a conversation so that the, these, they can leverage existing platforms.
1: Wing It Podcast, goosedigital.com, episode 50. 49. 49. All right. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris
0: Jen Pugsley.
1: Michael Turksani. All right. Welcome back, insurance crew. Hey, guys. Hello. We've been oh. IBAO, we've been Applied Net, we've been everything's virtual this year, a million trade shows. Thank <sighs> you. We've, we were very, very good at building virtual booths now. We are. And um, building. And, yeah. And that that's Stop. the topic of yeah. today building uh, versus buying, right?
2: Nice segue. Yeah. yeah.
1: Nice, Mike. So, yeah, no, thank you. So, uh, well, this was kind of came out of Robin's idea to talk about, I guess, one of the, topics that was uh, at at ibao this year which i'll let you kind of introduce it in more detail robin but really this concept of looking at the technology that your business in this case it it could be a broker an insurance broker um that you, you know wants to address a part of their of their uh their customer life cycle i guess is probably a good way to look at it you know what part of the customer life cycle are you trying to automate or digitize or or optimize through technology and looking at are you building your own software to make that happen and um, or are you considering buying software and, and integrating to make that happen so that was kind of the thrust of this call we want to go over or this podcast we want to go over kind of the the benefits uh the opportunities that exist kind of in both areas and, and obviously some of the challenges that can exist in both areas so rob why don't you just take a minute to talk about you know this session and and you know where it went and and then that kicks us off
0: sure i mean it was a really interesting session where we had uh you know four different brokers on a panel Um, who had all had experience with both uh, um, buying and building different technologies to help digitize their, their brokerage. And, um, you know, it's certainly for, for any of us who have worked in the technology world, this is, this is something that we've seen, this has sort of been that, you know, that this dilemma for, for many years. Um, And it was really interesting to hear their experiences because they had both been in situations where, or they had both, they'd all been in situations where they had uh, at times uh, bought things, uh, bought pieces of technology to integrate, and sometimes they worked. And then other instances where they went ahead and they built with also the same kind of uh, results that sometimes they, they, they worked really well and sometimes they didn't. And what I found really dis- really interesting was sort of that whole uh, thought process. You know, what were, you know, what were their initial uh, types of challenges and how did they initially address that? What did they learn and how did that impact the next time they saw that maybe there was a, a technology gap and they had to make that decision? And it's so, something that we have those discussions also when we talk, we talk with, with prospects when they're trying to decide, you know, if, if they go ahead and do something that's really custom or they look for a technology that they might be able to um, adapt to, to their specific needs.
1: So there's no doubt that, that adding technology into your business, you know, any business really, and I had a great call with one of our direct mail partners um you know, last night who they they've put a lot of um you know digital workflows in place that sort of address the front end of, of of their customer life cycle as well as the back end of the customer life cycle and there's no doubt that adding you know technology into these businesses can offer huge advantages right and that's sort of like almost a, an obvious or an umbrella term but when you look at um where to inject it, I think that strategy layers is probably where a lot of organizations, the light bulb moment happens where okay, I can we can see a world where we could literally create a huge cost savings if we were to sort this part of our of our back office out. Or we could see a world where wow, we could draw in more more customers this way and, and handle them well, actually, mm-hmm. if we put if we put this tech type of technology in the front. Um, but I think when we really look at the differences between building and buying, that's where, uh, certainly in the insurance space, I think there's still this evolution occurring of how do we really do that? You know, like uh, how comfortable are we buying and building? Probably more comfortable to some degrees and varying degrees um, but certainly on the build, probably not as comfortable I would say as buying. And I think the challenge that we see in this industry is that there's very few Vendors to buy from in, in, in some way, right? Like when you look at some of the big BMS providers that are really Providing the bulk of of, of the software that, that exists. It's not like you're you have a ton of options But there are things around the edges that are being built. So I wanted to pass it over to Chris for a minute because I think The background that you have in Accounting systems and ERPs is, is a good one here because you obviously for many years saw that industry evolve and companies rolling their own or building on top of, and really, I want to, I want to sort of bring that lens in terms of like why in the why section of build versus buy.
3: Yeah. So the, the, the first uh, obvious thing is that uh, these things tend to be built by firms that, that look at what's available or at least what they perceive as being available and decide, you know, they can do a better job or they can prepare, they can, Uh, make something that actually addresses their needs a a little bit better. Uh, My experience uh, in the ERP world was that, you know, with platforms updating and changing, one of the biggest challenges to those that built their own was always around um, having like you're either tied to software or you were tied to the programmers who built the the last version. So you're going to be tied to something, one thing or the other, you decide, you know, you pick your poison, like which one you're going to be tied to, you're going to be tied to one or the other. Because documenting software is no, you know, no trivial task. Uh, and I'm sure, Mike, you can speak to that with uh, the software that you've developed as well. So it's like the first thing is functionality. Um, and we know like in our industry, in the insurance industry, how many uh, products are out there that that guys in the insurance world put together developed and and uh, loaded on their own system and discovered, you know what, I've got friends in this business that could use this as well. Before you know it, they're in the software business. And it, it can be something that you know has costs and challenges that are nothing like the insurance business. So you've got certain guys out there that have decided, you know what, I like what I built for myself and I'm going to keep that going for, but I'm not interested in actually marketing and going out to market with it and you know there's certain people like uh, who have decided that that's the approach that they'd like to take Um, and I think what it comes down to we're talking about how you know staying ahead of and 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 being a leader in a a certain functionality especially in software it takes resource like it takes budget it takes research um, uh, time expertise it's it's not something that you set and forget. There's there's nothing that you set and forget anymore. But in the case of software, if you're not keeping up with uh, security areas, you're not keeping up with uh, customer expectations. All these things have to be have to be ahead of the game. You have to be thinking eighteen to twenty four months ahead. So when, when you're in uh, whether it's the computer. Uh, uh, the computer repair business or the software repair business and you actually create a, uh, a service solution, it has to be something you have to be looking ahead to what it is that is going to be required in that 18 to 24 month um, uh, uh, vision. Hmm. Or you're going to be stuck with a product that is Uh, having that has holes in it either security holes or functional holes that someone's going to come along and scoop. So, um, you know, I guess the the experience that I've had has been and, and again, kind of comes back to if you've had a really good experience and you can, can sort of build software that's got uh, some, some, uh, some long life, I mean, I think that's great and I think you're going to be investing in that. If you kind of are looking to solve a particular problem that you don't see a solution out there right now, then it's like, you know, you either have a short-term problem or you've got something that is going to, you know, basically be something you're going to have to be
1: uh, prepared to invest in on an ongoing basis so maybe i'll i 'll turn this over to Robin or Jen after I ask this side of it, because I think there's you know there 's an opportunity that exists today that didn 't exist you know say ten years ago, depending on I guess exactly the type of system you're, you you want to build but where you can like I said launch a platform, do some development you know, there 's a lot of great frameworks that are that are available you can kind of get to market much faster than you could before, and you 're not building a lot of the foundations that you would have had to build 10 years ago that would really add to your development cycle and cost. So there's, there's that perceived opportunity to say, you know, let's go ahead and just build our own. So let's build, build our own lead management system, let's say. But I think one of the things I'd like to you know, get your Jen and, and Robin's feedback on is that are you, is it truly a unique workflow or is it that you perceive that workflow as really unique to you? Is it that if you just bent a little bit and integrated kind of a, let's say a Salesforce CRM, for example, or one of those CRMs and configured as you were saying earlier, Robin, versus kind of customizing your own and willing your own, would you be in a better situation? So it's sort of like challenging almost the, the thought process of my workflow is so unique to me that that's the way it's got to be. And we've seen that in the, you know, in the accounting and ERP world where, Oh, well, you know, you've now just created a entirely custom workflow that, you know, is literally you're going to, you have to manage that forever, so to speak, versus if we just bent it a little bit to the other side, and which is what that industry ended up kind of doing is that more and more people said, you know what, why are we running our orders this way? Why don't we just, kind of standardize around one, you know, more or less a, a framework here and just make the, 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 minor tweaks. So, you know, Robin, maybe, and Jen, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about, I mean, like we think of like the touch points outside the BMS, right. Cause I don't think people are building their own BMS here. I mean, how much of this needs to be a hundred percent customized to the, to the, to their business versus taking something off the shelf. And, and, and by the way, we don't, we're not, looking at one way or another here, we're just sort of challenging both sides of the equation. So why don't one of you guys pick that up?
2: Yeah, I mean, Robin, and I can comment a little bit on some of the, um, I think that, you know, there's, I think there's a kind of a couple, two different things in there. I think what is driving the customized conversation like I think for sure in this industry yes there there's definitely some things that are unique situations, particularly more on like the the bMS or the rating side or, or some of the integration that is unique that maybe not just like an off the shelf would be able to solve but then there's these all these other things like lead management or, or, or marketing automation or you know I see it a lot with the quote bind tools it's like what is really driving well we need we're just going to build our own tool we're bringing it in house right and so i think if we look at those pain points and we started those pain points i think there's a lot surrounding um sort of like this is going to sound really you know harsh but sort of like a lot of those initial experiences were like the blind leading the blind right so was it that was it that the tool didn't have the capability that you that you bought, or was it that you know you didn't know what you didn't know you didn't know how to you know implement a system or um, even the vendor vendor relationship was was hard to manage right so there was all these kind of like assumptions that were created of why it failed versus did it really fail so there's there's that kind of piece and there's the other piece about you know, it's an Chris. You touched on this. Like these things are continuous optimization, right? So one of the things I see as a pain point all the time is that we're in campaign mode. We need to go back to the tool to optimize. Broker doesn't. Broker or carrier doesn't own that tool. It's a it's an over here tool. That what we need optimized can't you know fit on that development cycle. So then it's like oh wish we just owned our own tool or so i think robin maybe you can comment on this too but it's kind of where those drivers are coming from
0: yeah and i was actually thinking it uh, really from almost the beginning of the whole purchase cycle and, and, you know, looking at the, the role that, that, um, you know, vendors or agencies play in really understanding what the insurance provider is trying to accomplish. Right. And, and instead of saying, well, here is the solution and we can kind of take, you know, that square peg and foot, fit it into the round hole it's a little bit hard to do and yeah it's not going to have the right words but just pretend it's you know this is what it means and and we can kind of squeeze your workflows in there Uh, you know as as uh you know an insurance provider i might look at that right away and say oh my god this is this is not right like you're not even understanding what i'm trying to do so how can this software, this technology actually helped me with my business that is unique. And I think that's something that's that's definitely changed. Um, and and that, that vendors are getting a lot more savvy and spending more time learning about the insurance industry. So that instead of presenting the, the this is the technology and yeah, it'll do what you're supposed to do. It's actually telling the story of how it can uh, help an insurance provider on whichever workflow that they're trying to accomplish so that you're not kind of getting this area of concern right off the bat and you're not even getting any any further so I think that that's uh, one aspect of it um, and then there is that 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 flexibility um, of being able to to make those modifications um, I think the other thing that I'm seeing happening is. Um, the level of expertise that's on the insurance provider side. So you have people who understand technology who can maybe connect the dots between uh, a system that is not purpose built for the insurance industry and what they're trying to do. So they're, they're really understanding, Oh yeah, that, you know what, that workflow, even though maybe that technology was originally built or a retail situation, you know what? There are some aspects of that retail sales workflow that is very similar to what I'm doing in my business. And maybe it's minor little custom, customizations or even modifications. And you know what? I can leverage this amazing technology and it's actually going to work for me. So I think those are some of the other things that are, that are happening that we're, we're seeing some changes and, and ways of thinking about this as well.
2: Well, and Robin, it's interesting that we're talking about flexibility. So there is, a, there, there's different types of pathways to that flexibility, right? When when you are on a more best of breed system there, you, you, you just do, you have more opportunities to push the envelope in terms of flexibility. When you're with what, when your technology of choice is more, you know, um, limited or, or, limited to a a smaller group of developers that might not be as or or might not be as prevalent or maybe maybe yeah
1: exactly i think just to to build on that real quick jen is i think it kind of went back to what chris said earlier and i I liked the idea is that you're going to be sort of pick your poison you will be beholden to something here either your dev team or let's say in the case of let's just use salesforce as an example because people know that brand you know, Salesforce CRM. So, okay, we're paying a per user per month licensing. We hate the fact that we're paying a per user per month licensing with Salesforce, but I don't have that same beholden to a team here of that is building my CRM, for example. Right. And then the other thing that Chris touched on, which, you know, I think you hit on as well briefly there, Robin was, are you just doing the bare minimum to accomplish your workflow or are you building in all the other elements that, a platform that is off the shelf would have, and we've seen this, you know, in some very basic exa- situations where people are using email providers that are unique to the industry, and then they kind of realize, oh, my deliverability's having an issue, and I can't get into the inbox all the time. And well, you know, what that really means is that it's extremely expensive to run high-quality email. And if you if you get a an Acton or a HubSpot or a ParDot or whenever one of these like off-the-shelf bigger platforms not bigger in terms of cost, but bigger in terms of like, you know, the industry they've taken care of that. You know, they, they, so in, in the example of let's say a lead management system that you might build for uh, your business and insurance, it's going to have security stuff built in. It's going to have baked in user state. So every part of your lead is automatically going to be tracked on every single state. It's going to have built in abeyances. It's going to have a bunch of stuff that you're, you, you, you're going to have things that you know you want and then there's going to be a layer where you may not even be aware of right that and they may come up down the road so i think to your point Jen, it's probably you could do it both but it real really comes down to the investment are you are you in a position to have that development team and i want to talk i want you to talk a bit about that next robin because i know that came up in the session is are you really prepared to have the big enough team, or are you just having the one or two people to kind of accomplish your goals or three people to accomplish your goals and you're not spending time on security and data and analysis and all this other stuff, right? That's a big you're turning into a shop a software shop to your point, Chris.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting because I think there were two of the panelists who were discussing the fact that Within their brokerage, they then had two, they have two separate teams, right? So they have their uh, insurance team, so you've got know, your producers, your CSRs, all the other uh, support, and then you've got your technology team who are actually your your developers, and you're really running two very distinct businesses mm-hmm. under one roof. Uh, with two, I mean, the, the, you know, the skill sets are, are very different, the way they work, the 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 challenges everything is gonna be really different. And, and that's really, if, if you want to go down that path of, of building your own and making sure that you are continuing to update it both, you know, Chris, to your point, um, for making sure that the, the software is updated. And then uh, Michael, to your point, making sure that you're not just doing what you wanna to do today, but what you wanna do in six months, in a year, um, you've got to really invest in those two teams continually to grow and build them.
2: And then you're really,
0: you know, in some ways you're mad at, you're, you're really running two different companies. So that, yeah. you know, that, that can certainly be be very challenging.
3: But it's going to be tempting, eh? If you're uh, if you're like a, <laughs> techie, a techie broker and it's like, you know what? Yeah. Stuff isn't so tough. I can, yeah. it's like, it must be very tempting for, I wouldn't be one of those guys, but I can imagine, uh, you know, that it would be like, you know, if you, if you had the aptitude and you'd, you you know, sort of you enjoyed it and you just think, you know what, I don't want to spend all that money on Salesforce licensing. I could just build that myself. And, but, you know, there's,
1: well, I think, you know, there's another way to look at it. And I think we've seen this situation with a few um, certainly on the carrier side, this, this tends to be, they've got both, you know, big initiatives going on build and buy obviously, but on, on the broker side, the other kind of approach that we've seen is the really solid integration expertise, right? Having, yeah, you know, we're not building a CRM, you know, we're not building a lead management system. We are going to use something off the shelf, but let's actually have people that understand the data, understand how to really pull and and leverage, you know, from an analytics perspective and understand how to integrate that really well. And when I say integrate, I don't mean, Oh, this is a now a massive process I I, but I mean plug and playing solid on the data side. How do we get data out. How do we put data in. How do we make those connections and just continuously be able to have high quality usage of, of of the platforms that we have in place, but the core platforms themselves okay, as long as you tell me it's a flexible workflow and I can route leads in a certain way and I've got the baked-in security and it's you know, get meets all my GDPR and Castle and future-proofing from all that perspective, well, now what I really would like to have is people that could load that data really well, understand the analytics. So I think that's another yeah. kind of, it's, it's sort of like a hybrid mode where I still have technology people mm-hmm. in the business, but they're not developing software. They're, mm-hmm. they're really really integrating all the pieces and keeping that and doing the analysis around the back end, right?
0: And I think yeah. the difference also, Mike, you mentioned there's the, there's the core platforms and then there's some of the other supporting platforms and maybe that's another way to look at it is that a core platform, um, it, maybe that's where you go out and you, you you buy something but you buy something that has that flexibility um, that you can do, you know, 98% of what you need to do. That's really going to be aligned to your business, and and then there are other little pieces that maybe you know what there's a there's other technologies out there, but they don't quite fit. And maybe that is something small that a developer could manage, and it mm-hmm. adds a little piece. Um, and then you have sort of the you have a little bit of both, but you're maximizing for those big heavy platforms all that expertise and all that investment, and then just focusing on the smaller ones. Uh, And I think of, you know, what what we do at at Goose, right? Um, You know, that we we sort of have that same philosophy, you know, these, these big platforms that we go ahead and work with the marketing automation platforms we haven't built our own, right? We mm. use best of breed. And yes, we some and same thing with Salesforce. Sometimes we have to make small customizations, but we we love the fact that we have these partners who are investing in technologies continually and that are as we grow, their investments are are matching what we're trying to do. But there are some little things that we want to be customized specifically to how we do things internally, and sometimes we do that development
1: yeah 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 well nothing's nothing is uh you know makes you stay up at night and, and not get any sleep when your your primary systems or a bunch of those systems that you've now built stop working and uh, there's a bit of a panic mode there, so I guess you can have that going on to various degrees if you're buying and integrating or you're building but um i you know I think that's a good way a good spot to leave it i mean we're you know we've had hundreds of meetings obviously as we like to say and we've seen the, the the range of of companies here in this industry that have decided to go you know in various directions um we didn't talk about strategy on this call we only touched upon it at the beginning very briefly um but i think that that's kind of a big piece of this too right is like how do you think of your long-term strategy around technology. And if you are going to significantly roll your own or bring in your own people, it's probably a bigger investment than whatever you're paying per user per month for your CRM license. Um, and that strategy around, you know, why are we doing this and, and where is it going to get us in, in five years needs to be a big part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I think that's a good spot. It's was good. All right. Good stuff, guys. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.